Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 148 of the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson. And firstly, before we begin, I uh, just want to check in with you and see how things are going. I hope uh, everything's okay with you and your families. And uh, if you're getting back out, back out on the squash court again, uh, for us over here in the UAE, or at least where I'm living here, uh, we were supposed to, uh, well, rumor was, not rumor, but management had uh, told us that it looks like this week... Uh, we could get back on court, and I'd planned to uh, get back on court tomorrow, but uh, as of yet, uh, they haven't come out officially and said that, so I think they're just making sure they have their ducks lined up, and, um, you know, that's a good thing. You know, they want to take their time and make sure they get it right. We've waited uh, this long till now to play, so I think we can wait a little bit longer just to make sure they have the infrastructure in place to make this happen, so I uh, hope things are going uh, well on your end with regard to that as well. I mean, we've waited this long. We want to make sure everything's uh, done right. Now, uh, speaking of doing things right, uh, I've reached out to this guy a few times over the last little while, and uh, he contacted me, and we finally made this happen. It's uh, really, I'm really, I was really excited about this. Anytime you can have the world number one on your podcast, uh, you've got to be excited, and we do today. Uh, it's Mohammed El Sherbagi Day on the In Squash podcast, and uh, what a treat it was! Such a great guy, uh, and so uh, such a great interview today. I know you're going to enjoy it. Uh, we talk about uh, what life's been like for him. Uh, I think he's in the UK uh, with his brother. What life's been like there under lockdown? Hasn't been able to to play, obviously, and uh, unfortunately, I think I just read yesterday the UK came out and all indoor sports uh, facilities have been put on hold again uh, opening those up so uh, obviously that affects squash in a big way uh, but we uh, you know we talk about that we talk about his early years which are quite uh, interesting and as many of us know he uh, grew up uh, playing when he was a young I think early teens uh, went to Millfield uh, where Jonah Barrington's the coach and had a big influence on on his uh, early days, and uh, we talk about Jonah's influence and his other early influences. Uh, what it was like in 2019, um, 2018, 2019, when he lost his number one ranking to Ali Farag, and how that motivated him to come back uh, the next year and uh, regain the number one ranking, which he did. Um, uh, but he does talk about the 2018-19 season as being one of his better seasons, despite uh, losing the ranking. Andy. And he also gives props to Ali Farag for, for taking over the number one. And we talk a bit about, uh, about that and about uh, Egyptian squash. And, of course, uh, his family is a big influence uh, on him throughout the years. Uh, his parents played a huge role in getting him to where he is. And then also his brother Marwan, who's right up there contending for top spot as well. And we talk quite a bit about that. And, of course... Uh, I had to ask him about that World Open final in 2017, which went to five games, and uh, we discussed that as well. So Mohammed El Sherbagi is on episode 148. Couldn't be happier uh, to have done that with him. Now, before we get started, though, I just want to talk to you about our, about our sponsor, Active Scout. Active Scout is a growth retention tool for squash clubs, and now that clubs are slowly looking to open their doors, we want to help your community grow. 
Not all members are returning from this break, so growing club membership is more important than ever before. Start with you and a few of your regular partners. Active Scout can be your chat tool for arranging games or going for a jog. Right now I'm using WhatsApp. Uh, that tends to be a bit clunky. I mean, you've got so much else going on in WhatsApp, so why not try Active Scout? Post updates about your club on the social platform and check out what other clubs are doing to get up and running faster. Next step, let your club manager know about Active Scout. If your club still uses pen and paper as a booking system, this is an opportunity to upgrade for free. If your club already has a booking system, let us know what your system is, and we will shortlist it for platform integration. Active Scout was designed by a level three coach to help grow our sports, so reach out to us today. Active Scout is now beta testing. Contact Rob at ActiveScout.com or at the homepage, uh, activescout.com and we will send you a link to download the app. The email is just like the website, rob at activescout.com. That is activescout without the E. And that is it. And we've got episode 148 with Mohammed El Shorbagi. So, uh, for, uh, Mohammed, thanks so much again. And uh, congrats on uh, being uh, recently uh, announced as Player of the Year by the PSA. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's so. fantastic. How's that feel to uh, come off of? Uh, I mean, you you accomplished. We'll talk about this later, but you you accomplished uh, some big goals in 2019, 2020. But how does it feel to uh, have it capped off uh, with that one? Yeah, it was um, great. It was a great feeling, of course, to win it because uh, you know I put uh, a lot of hard work last summer to uh, try and go back to number one again and. Um, uh, try and get better and uh, obviously after achieving that goal, you know, it was a huge relief, but um, So yeah, I mean, uh, I felt I had a good season. Of course, I've had few tournaments that I wish that I have done better in them like the world champ for example, but uh, other than that, you know, I cannot be upset about my season. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that a little later on, uh, but uh, before I, we got, we dive into that, uh, I want to, add, you know, just say, uh, ask you how you how you and Marwan and, and your family are, are doing under these, uh, you know, unfortunate circumstances that we're going through at, at the moment with the pandemic and everything. Is everyone uh, okay on your side? Yeah, luckily, uh, we're all good. Uh, my parents are in Egypt. Uh, they're doing well. Uh, uh, situation is not too great, though, to be honest. So uh, um, they're still in the middle of uh, the, of what's happening, you know. They uh, um, and uh, yeah, me and my brother are here. You know, we're training a little bit. Wouldn't say we're been killing ourselves training every day in terms of like only physical. We can't get to a squash court here, but we've been trying to stay as fit as possible. I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, uh, I mean, in my own little world, I, I did a little circuit today, so. Uh... Trying to trying to stay <laughs> doing doing a lot more push-ups than, than uh, these days. But uh, no, I was going to ask you uh, how how have you been able to uh, to remain elite? Uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to lie, you know, lie to be honest. At the beginning, I absolutely did nothing. Like literally, did not want to go for a run. Did not do any workout. Not because I I, I don't like it, but. It was more because I felt like I just needed to get a full break from everything. Like yeah. um, I've been, I've been lucky with my career that I haven't had many injuries, so I have never really been out of the game at all. So mm. every season has been constant pressure for the past ten years. Uh, when you get mm. injured, yeah, you're out of 
you're out of competition, but also mentally you're taking a break a bit from everything. So when you come back, you come back hungry. So yeah. I felt like, why not actually just stay out completely, just take a complete break from everything, rest your mind, you know? You're, it's not like you're going to miss out on someone else having an extra training session over you, no one is training. There is no squash course at the moment anyways. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, so I rest and then literally two weeks ago, I told... I felt like, you know what, I actually miss working out. I miss going back to actually go. I just want to go out for a nice run. So slowly, slowly, I started getting back together now again. And uh, and I'm really motivated now to start training properly. Yeah, is there any, uh, I know squash courts are my club anyways. It's going to be hopefully opening uh, next week. That's what we hear. Uh, yeah. how, are, how about things uh, over there in the, in the UK? I know, I know they got hit pretty hard, though. So I guess yeah. things are a little more strict. Uh, well, well, the plan is to open the squash course, I, I, I guess, from the 4th of July. We'll just be allowed to do only solo practices, or, but I guess just getting on court anyways is just great. To be honest, for me, if I can get back from the 4th of July, and if we start playing tournaments from October, if I have only two months of playing squash before, before the season starts, it wouldn't make a difference two months from three months, really. Uh, I think we all of us have hit a lot of squash balls in our lives that yeah. uh, oh, yeah. will... It's, it's the physical side that, that is, uh, would be the annoying part to get back, I think. So is it uh, maybe, maybe the case where you might even hit the courts and you might even, maybe despite not having been on court, you might be slight even hungrier when, when, you, when you return because you haven't been on court. Hopefully, ho- hopefully wiser, I would say. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little more time to think. Yeah, more, more time to contemplate yeah. now, yeah? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've been, to be honest, watching though a lot of squash matches. Yeah. Um, who, and, who, who have you been watching? Uh, I've been watching all kinds of squash matches. Honestly, like, all, like I've, this is the most period of my life. I've always loved watching squash matches, but this is the most period I've actually been watching some of the old school matches. You know, some of the new ones, some of yeah. a few years back. I mean, I watch all kinds of matches, and uh, yeah, I've been really enjoying actually. Not just uh, just watching to enjoy watch squash match. Not normally I would watch a squash match because I want to point out oh I need to do that I need to do this. Uh, but now uh, sometimes I can't help myself, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I am enjoying watching squash matches definitely. Yeah, I mean uh, when I play in in league matches in Dubai, I, I live just a little bit outside the city, uh, but I would go down and before I go uh, to play my matches, I'd always watch uh, one of your uh, one of your old. Uh, uh, legends there in, in Egypt, uh, Amr Shabana, and yeah, uh, yeah. I mean just just watching him in my in my own personal squash uh, world. I, I mean I, I always uh, like to watch. Uh, I'll watch a lot. I'll watch your matches, especially uh, the classics against uh, Rami. Uh, but I also one guy that I, it's my go-to guy is uh, Amr Shabana. I'll watch a, a lot of his uh, his matches. Uh, uh, talk about Amr as a guy that just sort of does it all, doesn't he? Shabana is one of, um, like, if you want to learn how to play squash, Shabana is a perfect player to watch because his technique is perfect, the timing of the ball, the way he moves his body, the way his movement on court. Uh, he's just a very classy player. And I've, he's, he, he was an inspiration for me because when I started playing professional, he was already world number one. I watched him winning so many titles and going to world number one for third three months. And uh, didn't you? You played. To... Uh, you played uh, Amr, didn't you? Uh, in a couple of big finals before he retired. We did. We did play many matches. We played, I think, like thirteen or fourteen times on tour. And uh, um, I think, yeah, we played one big final, the U.S. Open final, I think. And um, 
and that's uh, I got to number one the night before for the first time. So it was a big, t- tough, tough match for me mentally to play. But uh, luckily, he had a tough match the day before with Nick in the semis, and uh, yeah, I uh, had him a bit physically in the final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's, that's great. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, so if you don't mind, Mohammed, take a, a little bit of a look back, uh, not too far, but 2018-2019 uh, was obviously you know, a, a tricky year, a, a challenging year, maybe even an exciting year for squash because we saw uh, Ali Farag sort of come up and, and uh, take over number one and play really well and challenge you and the others. Uh, but what was it like for you uh, that year, the, the way it played out? For you, uh, obviously, you, you came into 2019 a new man, and you 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 addressed uh, whatever it was that you felt you needed to address. But uh, the 2018-19 uh, campaign, what was that like for you to see um, Ali come through? What, was it surprising, or did you know that he had that in him? That in him, and since he decided to go full-time pro after he uh, finished Harvard, I was so annoyed because I knew what he's <laughs> capable of. You know, yeah. I wanted him to. I didn't want him to go and play the tour. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> right. uh, I think when he came uh, in 2018-19 and uh, he took the world number one for me, to be honest, I, I, it didn't really surprise me because uh, uh, if someone was going to take me out of that top spot, it would have definitely been him. Um, and um, and to be honest, that season, I didn't play bad at all. I've won actually three major events that season. Right. Like in, a, in any normal season, the results I had that year was good enough for me to set number one. Uh, but that just showed how great player Ali was, like Ali is. And, uh, um, and uh, so the next season, I just realized that, okay, maybe I didn't play that bad that season, but, but it was still not good enough. So I need to still improve. I need to improve my game, need to do a few things different. Obviously, I always had Hayden with me for the past 10 years, mm. but uh, I, I called Rodney and I needed uh, a new addition to my team. And uh, we worked new, uh, out a new, um, some new ideas to my, my game, how I can improve in different ways. And stuff. And I, I feel we did a lot of major improvement together and uh, I feel like the work we did, yeah. Was that sorry? Was that yeah, Rodney Martin, yeah. Rodney Martin? Okay, yeah. What what's it, what was it like working with him? I, I mean, I've had a few players yeah. on here uh, talking about uh, working with Rodney, and uh, uh, they were just saying how you know how he's been such a such a great help to their game, and he's all business and uh, some tough sessions with him apparently. Yeah, Rodney is um, like. Um, um, like he is so the way he reads the game is so different to anyone I have. Uh, seen to be honest he uh mm. he's like attention to details you know he sees uh like I, I i think i'm normally good at playing with tactics against my opponents but mm. but that is an area like when i went to him you know he surprised me with new tactics i didn't even see you know even though there are against players that have been playing for all my life um yeah. and yeah it was uh it was honestly like um it was honestly like uh, I was lucky that I made that move, and uh, because I was, I had few options, and I would think about what I need to do next, and uh, mm. I was lucky that I did the right move. Yeah, that's interesting about squash nowadays, isn't there? Because there's so many, you know, potentially very good uh, options out there for you guys uh, at the top level if you're looking for coaching, and you've got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of possibilities out there. But Rodney's obviously a guy who had a great game himself, and uh, you know, he's a an elder state, elder statesman, and uh, he's got a very good reputation out there right now. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and uh, his definitely his sessions are are, are tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's definitely his sessions are tough, and uh, yeah, that, 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 I mean that's something you appreciate, though, isn't it? You you enjoy that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I wouldn't appreciate that every day, but unfortunately, that's what he makes you do. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, I guess uh, you know I was going to ask you about this, so I guess now's the the right time to do it. I mean, you grew up. Uh, you went to school at Millfield Academy when you were young, and that's obviously where Jonah uh, Barrington uh, was coaching, and, and that's why you went there. Uh, uh, clearly, Joan, as we know, Jonah wrote the great, uh, the classic book, uh, Murder on the Squash Court, and his autobiography is uh, well known. Um, but uh, before going to, uh, to Millfield as a young kid, uh, what did you know of Jonah at that time, and um, when, uh, how did he... How did those years at Millfield impact uh, you and, and your game in terms of what it is today? That's a long question, but... Uh, no, it's fine. I mean, at yeah. the beginning, I started being coached when I was in Alexandria by Gamal Awad, who uh, ex-Wall number two, played yeah. one of the longest matches in history against Jahangir. And uh, Gamal Awad was coached by Jonah when he used to play. So I've always heard stories about Jonah from when I was a kid mm. um, and about how hard he worked, how he started later, his career started to focus, take it more serious. Um, and uh, when I had the opportunity to go to Millfield, uh, uh, it was during the World Champ when it was in Egypt 2006. Uh, I was only 15 years old mm. and um, Joey was around, didn't know him, but I went to him, tried to introduce myself. I just won the British Union under 15, trying to, you know, like, you know, try and make it sound like, you know, uh, uh, like I can play squash, you know. So maybe I so I asked him <laughs> if he wanted to hit, but he, he seemed interested in different ways. Yeah. He uh, he started to talk to me about midfield, about an opportunity to get you there. And in a week, my life changed mm. um, because of just a lucky uh, meeting I had with Joey. Um, and yeah, and uh, to be honest, uh, I think I would have still done in my career what I've some of the achievement I've done if I didn't go to England, but definitely going to England made those achievements more um, uh, like uh, more achievable, like quicker in my career mm. because I had better opportunities when I came to England. Uh, I started playing BSPA tournaments where I was able to play against top 50 players when I was only 15 years old. Right. Uh, I had Joey Midfield training with him every day when he was top 30. Uh, I was lucky I had this opportunity that got me really strong when I, at a young age. But I was, but I had them always the attitude to improve as well with it. So having both kind of for the great mix. Would you say? Uh, uh, I mean, Jonah was known, I guess, for his toughness, for his the physicality of his game, for his squash brain as well, for for so many things. But the physicality, which is something that you know, you're you're you're. A guy, I mean, I just watched uh, a bunch of those. Um, rallies of the decades and, and they're they're absolutely amazing but uh, uh i mean is that something that maybe a part of your game that you might not have had if you hadn't uh, met with uh, with jonah to be to be honest i think um because i think when i came to midfield i was already physically strong i was um mm. Uh, luckily, I had a strong body as a junior, and uh, I was already I already had that when I came to midfield. But it was more about, and I had the Egyptian style of play, which was yeah. it always have great success in juniors. Uh, in seniors, that's when you need to start learning the physical side, the, the, how to hit a good length, how to understand the length game, and that's what the British school is more about. Mm. So what Jonah did with me was he kept my Egyptian game and and uh, taught me the English game. 
So he wanted me to have the English style and the Egyptian style in my game and mix both of them. So I had that yeah. from when I was 16, 17. And uh, because of this, he I went on the PSE and jumped high and ranking quite pretty quick because well, you uh, were I just saw you post I think you posted on Twitter you are only one of three uh, male players to win the world juniors and uh, the world I think world number one or world open I forget uh, world championship yeah I think it's world championship and world junior championship uh, you're one of three Jahangir and um, who's the, the oh Rami, Rami, Rami I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah. and Rami and Jahangir good, good company there <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is surprising, you know, because normally yeah. you think that whoever wins the World Juniors will be the one, like, you know, uh, will get that World Champ title at, at some point, you know. And uh, yeah, But it's actually most of the players who didn't win a World Juniors, you know, uh, go to senior, which shows that it doesn't matter that you need to be really good in juniors to make it in seniors, you know, you don't have to. Yeah, well, speak to that. I mean, that, that's such. I mean, in my own world, I I uh, I, I was fairly good in my province of, in Canada. I was number one as a junior, and then when I hit seniors, it took me like five years before I really started to play well again. And uh, I think it takes a special person, or you know, obviously a talented player uh, and a strength like you, a physically strong player, to be able to make that jump from junior. To, uh, to, to senior because Jana put a lot of belief in me that I can when I go on court I can beat anyone I play yeah. so uh, you see a lot of juniors when they go on the PSC they get, like they give too much respect to the top players and uh, mm. I mean I shouldn't say that I shouldn't say that because I'm one of these guys right now you know and I wouldn't want the juniors I want the still the juniors to give respect <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but like yeah, but yeah. like sometimes they give too much respect and that's something that Jonah kind of took away from me well you don't get you don't need to give too much respect you give him respect as an opponent but this is someone who's trying to stop you from winning doesn't matter if you're playing the world number one from the world number 100 both are trying to stop you from winning um it's just that the idea this guy's world number one then this guy's world number 100 that's what plays in your head um so he kind of you know taught me that and made me believe from when i was a kid to uh, excel and to be honest rami's only three four years older than me and he did this only few years before me so i've seen it when i was still not a kid like I was still right. uh, old enough to understand it so uh, so Rami made it believable for me that I can follow his footpath as well you know absolutely yeah he, he laid the groundwork for you exactly exactly yeah. now uh, another really I mean I, I'm just jumping all over the place here in Miami because you've had such an illustrious uh, career till now and I, I, I'm not really sure how you know how to formulate the, the, this chat so uh, I'm just going to jump around a bit but uh, in 2017 uh was it was an incredible one of the, the most memorable uh, World Open finals in history it was you and your brother, and uh, went it was a tight five game match and uh, you know you're rare it's rare to see siblings in any sport get to a final maybe the Williams sisters uh, obviously in tennis uh, they've done it a few times but uh, you and your brother did so in 2017 so just go back and, and talk about what that moment was like for you and Marwan and what a match I mean it went five games it was back and forth uh how how did you approach going in into that match and uh once it all played out uh how did it feel well it was of course it was very hard because one of us was gonna stop his brother from winning a world champ which is a dream anyone like go after and uh yeah uh, it was a very tough moment for both of us. Also, a very proud moment for our family. You know, to have yeah. this is this is the biggest match you can you can be part of in the whole year, and to have both of us 
at that match was an unbelievable feeling and uh, was very hard, you know, to have to deal with it in the match. We both kind of, uh, uh, I don't think it was uh, the greatest crush performances from both of us. And I don't think many people played very well in finals and world champs anyways, because the pressure is too high. But uh, but I felt that because of that, it kind of uh, made both of us the match really close. Every game was very hard and the pace was high. And I think we played some good rallies there. Oh, definitely. And, uh, you know, your brother, obviously, uh, playing, has played some great squash over the years. In fact, if he were uh, to get to number one, that would be something special. Uh, no, but, I mean, that, that, you know, that, that's an ob- there's an obvious answer to that, to that question. It's yes. Is, is it something that you uh, maybe, uh, you know, as a brother and as someone who, who spent so many uh, years and so long at number one and has achieved it all in the game, is it something that you try to use to motivate him at times? I mean, to be honest, the problem that it's only two years and a half different between us. So for him to actually get to world number one, he will have to take one of um, our generation as world number one. So, and I'm part of that generation. And unfortunately, we've fallen under the same generation. As, as a brother, as a brother, I want him to get to world number one for sure. But as a competitor, I don't want him to get it from me. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I, but I don't mind. But I, but I don't mind it if he gets it from someone else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, there's the uh, there's the conspiracy uh, all the uh, in the big um, like the Williams sisters battles and stuff. There's always that conspiracy theory that they uh, you know before the match the father flips a coin. You, yeah, you guys yeah. do that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> flip a coin. I mean, just so there's no there, there's no you know no love lost in the family, right? <laughs> no, I mean it's always hard, honestly. Like no one will understand honestly that feeling. I mean the only two probably is Rodney Martin and Brett Martin because they were yeah. the two most successful brother after me and my brother. I would say. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. we passed we passed that we, we passed them after we my brother got to number three, yeah. but uh, it's a hard. Because I, used to, I sometimes talk to Rodney about it, and uh, and uh, he, he told me it used to be hard, especially that they used to share a room together, he and his brother as well. I think it was uh, in 2017, right around that time, in the New York Times, there was a great piece written by uh, David Segal about uh, it was about you and and your your parents and especially your mother, and uh, he talks about um, how you know you you say you're a self-professed very difficult person to uh, to give advice to in the corner but she's the one who who can sort of turn things around for you at times and in fact he he talks about a match against at Alguna against Greg Galchier uh, where um where you had lost the first game you seemed down and out and she said something to you and then you just you came back and won the match can you uh, tell us uh, you know how how influential and how important your mother is to you and, and what it is that she's able to do in the corner uh, during these matches where times are tough? Yeah, I mean, my parents have done so much for me. Uh, my mom... Uh, me and my mom have a very similar character. Mm. And because of that, it's always challenging. We always had a very challenging relationship, but it was always for me getting better. Uh, and because we're the same character... She, nothing was always good enough. Whenever I, whenever I do something good, it was never good enough for her. And it used to be, and, and, and we would go at each other. But for me, that's why it, it, it always gave me a new challenge. Mm. Like I do remember there was one year in 2016 or 17, one of the year I beat uh, Nick in the final. I beat him 3-2 and 
while holding the trophy on the walk back to the hotel. Uh, my mom was telling me, oh, like, I didn't play well there in that game. I didn't do it. I didn't do well. <laughs> yeah. and, then I, and then I looked at her and thought, can we just enjoy me holding the trophy of one of the major? Even if I, you think I didn't play very well, let's enjoy it today. But yeah, at yeah. the same time, it's because of that character, because of that kind of situation, it always gave me a challenge. It always, it didn't make me feel, yeah, that's great. I just want TUC. Let's celebrate. No, I cannot celebrate. I need to think how I can improve. Because, yeah, I, I would go back at my mom when she tell me that. But before I sleep at night, I'm, I'm thinking about what she said. And most times I agree about what she said, you know. And I wouldn't celebrate. And I would be actually hard on myself the next day in training and want to win the next event. Yeah. So it's because of these challenges she always gave me, you know. Uh, I always wanted to improve. And that's the kind of relationship we always had. Uh, always challenging, you know. <laughs> so, yeah so when when mom speaks i'm I'm the same way with my mom when I, you know she says something i we i listen yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> even if you don't want to <laughs> yeah, yeah, no exactly yeah, yeah, yeah for sure for sure now um i just wanted to talk to you we mentioned i mentioned it earlier um now the fans voted uh three three of uh your rallies as the rallies uh, of the decades number two three and five and per personally i think they got two and three wrong i think three should be two two should be three but uh, that's beside the point um that, that's an impressive uh you know collection of rallies and you're in three of them so uh of those rallies i mean wh which of the three do you rank as one and uh, uh, the one that you sort of uh, recall as being sort of one, one that was really special and uh, one sort of you'll never uh, forget? To be, to, to be honest, any rally with me, with Rami, would probably special be special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that was, that was, that, that's what any, I think was number two. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Any of the rallies with Rami's would all, because there is so much into just not hitting the squash, that just a straight lens or just a, a normal shot. Mm -hmm. There is so much tactics and thinking when you play with him. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he, it's just any rally with him, any match with him is always special, to be honest. Yeah. So that I was going to ask you about that. Like your matches with him over the years were just amazing, spellbinding, if you ask me. Um, and the 2014 final was special. They were all epic uh, matches. So, and the, they involved just such a contrast, special contrast uh, in styles, equally impressive on both sides. So I'm just wondering, uh, you know, Rami's a special player, as we all know. Uh, how much do you miss having him on the tour? And what were those uh, moments uh, like for you against him uh, on the court? To be honest, you know, at the beginning it used to be a lot of pressure because I was uh, world number one and Rami was injured. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, when yeah. he came back, and then when he came back, it was always, there is, like, why I always felt pressure was because if he beat me, it's, oh, he came back after six months and beat you. If I beat him, uh, well, he he was out so that whole period anyway. So so, mm. so you're never winning anyways, you know. Yeah. So I that's the kind of mentality I had, and used to put a lot of pressure in me. I still I played under a lot of kind of pressure. And it wasn't an excuse or anything. I still performed really well whenever I played him. Um, but then after that, uh, I started thinking actually, you know, you're 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 taking part of something really special here. A lot of people always talk about your matches with him. You know, this match is always being waited for around the whole world. You know, enjoy these matches. You know, because they'll never last forever. So that's the kind of mentality I started having my matches with him. Is actually I look forward to my matches with him, and I'm actually excited to get on court with him. Um, and uh, his match, my matches with him were always so unique and 
never never played. I, th- I still think one of my best performances, if not my best performance today, was against Samuel Guna in the final, which he actually yeah. beat me as well. <laughs> so, um, oh, yeah, yeah he, always, he always took something special out of you. Oh, for sure. I mean, and th- those matches to me, I mean, that, that rally in particular, but that, that match play, every rally was like that almost. I mean, it was just yeah. absolutely incredible. And when, when you're in the middle of a rally like, like that, I mean, you're like, uh, what are you thinking? I mean, you're just getting everything back and you're, you're putting him under pressure, then he's getting everything back. I mean, what you just go until it's over, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think as long as much as me and him were so we played completely different, but I think our attitude was similar. Mm-hmm. Um, is to never give up. We never ever gave up on court, and that's what made our matches was like a, a boxing match with rackets. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, we kept fighting and fighting and fighting. Literally, till one of us won. You know, and obviously, most of the matches he won. Um, but uh, I would have hoped that we had the chance to play many, many more because you only played 12 times, really. And uh, I would have loved to play many more with him. But unfortunately, the injuries didn't give the sport, I think, a chance uh, for a rivalry that could have been really special. Yeah, 100%. Now, um, now you mentioned we talked a little bit about it earlier, the, uh, the COVID situation. Uh, unfortunately, squash, uh, you know, it's been... Uh, push back until at least September, October. But you see other sports out there, in particular, like physical sports, like, for example, uh, the UFC, where they, they actually touch each other and they're breathing on each other, obviously. Uh, other sports are coming back now, uh, basketball, baseball, uh, obviously football, a sport that you love, and um, uh, football, uh, uh, European football, that is. And uh, so what, what are your thoughts in terms of squash getting back on, on uh, the professional game getting back and going? Do you think um, uh, it, should, it could be done? Yeah, I mean, there, there have been a lot of talks and a lot of communication actually between the PSC and the players. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, there have been uh, uh, big possibilities in getting the tour back from uh, September, October, actually. Uh, nothing is confirmed yet, obviously, but uh, uh, the government is giving what we heard. The government is giving green light for sporting events to happen, and uh, uh, under certain rules and behind closed doors without crowd. But at least they will have TV. Mm-hmm. Um, is to get the sport back and to get the players back on court. I think it's a priority for the PSC at the moment, with obviously the player safety being first thing. And uh, and uh, I think we'll hear some good news very soon. That's good, yeah. I mean, you see it in a, in a, a lot of these other high-profile sports where they're actually managing to get to get the players out there. Uh, there. There's pay-per-view, so people can't actually watch live, but they can pay for it to watch it. So that that's an option. And it's yeah. it's uh, it's sports like uh, you know like a, a football, which is very physical and very uh, you know guys are running next to each other. So they've obviously got the you know they're going to have to be careful, but uh, they've got the the strategy in place in order to to make it happen. So hopefully, uh, squash can can manage to do something similar. Now I was just uh, just a couple more questions uh, or is, uh, things I wanted to talk to you about. Are you uh, are you familiar at all with the uh, the squash stories uh, page on, on Facebook, uh, Mohammed? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, of course. Okay, so so, so then you 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 might know uh, Jamie uh, Maddox then. Yeah, of course, I know him very well. <laughs> okay, yeah, but I was just uh, one of his uh, one of the classic uh, moments of uh, I think last year or the year before was his. Fantastic soon the Mohammed El tune the Mohammed El Shabagi uh, song 
uh, were you were you happy yeah. with, with it? his great great voice, doesn't it? He actually made this song the day before. I mean, the morning of the final of the British before I even play the match with Ali. Yeah, and uh, so I heard the song the morning off, and he was already celebrating that I'm going to be winning the title for sure, and I'm playing against <laughs> Ali. You know, I knew Ali had a tough match against Paul the day before, and I had a fairly comfortable match against Gawad, but but he was like doing all the celebration early on, and I was like thinking, no way, guys! Like if I lose this match now, it will look so bad for me and for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he, he, I mean, he's arguably uh, your biggest fan out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's a great guy. I've met him a few times, and uh, yeah. and we actually speak. Uh, he, we te- we text quite a few times on ch- chat on Facebook as well, and yeah, and uh, he's um, he's quite a character. Uh, yes, <laughs> I, I told, I, I told him that. Yeah, the whole the yeah, his wife is fantastic, and I, I, Christian, mm-hmm. I think his son as well. Uh, I told him I'd play you the the video the uh, the song while we were speaking uh, today, but I, I I can't find it now. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyways, yeah, it, it's fantastic. But he, there are two versions of it, right? There's one where uh, I think that the one that you just referred to before the match against Ali, and then there's the one where he an- announces that you're the new number one. Yeah, yeah, I think he made quite a few. He can make an album. He can make an album. He can make an album now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he should. He should make an album. If he wants to pay homage to his favorite player, he must make an album. Okay, let's see if that that comes out uh, uh, this year. But uh, also on squash stories, there's um, now I'm not sure if you how closely you follow squash stories, but there's one one of the um, the members of the community. Uh, he he's posting uh, fantastic videos. He uh, he's based out of Pakistan, and he posts these amazing videos. It's him in his backyard. He's training. He's three hours, four hours a day. Have you heard of Essen? I uh, well, he, I think his video was on YouTube, shared by PSA. Right? I think I've seen it actually. Yes, yeah. He I mean, he's quite quite uh, prolific, quite quite famous in the squash uh, stories community. He's a like what they call a polarizer. What's, what's his name? Eshan Al. Uh, oh yeah, no, I don't know. Him. No, yeah, I've, I've seen his name actually. Yeah, I've seen yeah. his name. Yeah, he yeah, yeah he has uh, he has some very uh, interesting videos and and he's got quite a story uh, behind it. Uh, he he likes to train very hard and he likes to uh, he he he. I think he said he he managed to reach number seventy seven in Pakistan. That so he's trying to. That's pretty good. Yeah, that is good in Pakistan. <laughs> some great players uh, over the years and still a lot of good players. Now, uh, I do have one request. There are a couple of uh, Facebook questions, if you don't mind. There were some no, people. No, no, any question, yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm going to go to the, um, to the Facebook here. Okay, there we go. Let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. There, yeah, his name is Essan Safar Awan. Yeah. Okay. Essan Safar. So look him up. He's got some great videos there. Uh, but we have a que- <laughs> yeah, we have a question from uh, Blair Blair Barr. Okay, he's Canadian, and yeah. uh, he says uh, he has a question from his two sons who are who are nine years old. How much do you like squash still after playing for so long? Out of uh, re- uh, on a scale of one to ten, how much do you like? playing squash after playing for so long. What is your favorite food and what is your favorite drink? So these are questions from uh, Blair Barr's two junior son, junior boy sons who uh, uh, I guess are big fans of you. 
Uh, to be honest, I absolutely love the sport. I wouldn't be here today or would be motivated to stay at the top of the game for, for such a long time unless I was, I love being on court. There was nowhere else I would rather be than being on the squash court. Even when I'm in pain, my muscles are sore. Uh, I love being on court all the time. I, would, I love playing finals. I love winning matches. I hate losing. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just hate the feeling of losing. I just want to win all the time. And uh, and uh, so, yeah, I love being on court. And uh, it's it's a feeling that I, I you don't want it to go. You want to play forever. But as a sport, as an elite uh, athlete, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't last forever. But I'm trying to enjoy it as much, as long as it lasts for, for now, you know. Yeah. Um, and my favorite food, um, uh, I like, uh, I love sushi. I like Japanese. Mm, uh, yes, I like Turkish food as well. Turkish, uh, Turkish food. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah. I like different kinds of cuisine. Well, I did, uh, I did read a piece in my preparation for this and, uh, I think you were, you were, um, highlighted or yeah, in, in uh, GQ magazine several years ago. And, um, you mentioned that you know you have a strict diet, but you you do you do have cheat days. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I have a cheat meal. More you more know, now than maybe in in the past. Uh, less now than in the past. Oh actually. really? Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> the older you get, wise. the easier it yeah. is. The easier, the easier it is to get to, to put on weight. You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, for me last week, uh, I mean, you know, this is a different level of cheat, but uh, I did have a cheat day uh, last week. Uh, I put in some good hours at work and I did some training at home. So I, I ate a whole medium pizza by myself. It was like seven slices. That's yeah. That's a big cheat meal. Yeah, that's Definitely. a big cheat. Meal. Yeah, yeah. What, what's <laughs> what's your cheat meal? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I would just desserts. It's normally mm. goes mm. into desserts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, would, I would go into like a, I love a nice carrot cake. Oh, uh, yes. with the, with the yeah. icing. Uh, vanilla icing yeah the icing mm -hmm. definitely mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah yeah, you, yeah yeah i'm a big carrot cake guy love the carrot cake yeah yeah you should try the carrot cake in nando's they are the best a carrot cake say that again the carrot cake in nando's they are the best nando's oh okay yeah there are yeah, nando's the here cake, in uh in dubai yeah, in so dubai. yeah okay yeah. nando's I'll, I'll take maybe go there tonight with my daughter good good advice yeah all right <laughs> yeah uh, another question here from uh i think she's a uh, squash coach a Patricia O'Keefe, and she'd like to know, in your estimation, uh, which countries do you think offer good opportunities for juniors to progress to the pro level? I guess, you know, with you having uh, been around the world, you know the game, you know the, I mean, you were a junior once yourself, obviously you, you had some good years in the UK. Egypt is uh, obviously producing a never-ending yeah. line of juniors. I think the States is a country now as well. There is a yeah. lot of great Egyptian coaches, a lot of coaches around the whole world, to be honest, that go there, to be honest now. And they're yeah. already there. And uh, I think squash is going uh, another level now there in the, in the which is good for our sport, I think. But I think juniors-wise as well, I think Hong Kong and India, Malaysia, they're very good countries for juniors as well. Uh, yeah. Especially the last few years, you know, we've seen uh, many Malaysian juniors players who are, have done really well in the British juniors. Um, so yeah, which is it's good to see different countries definitely doing well now. Um, uh, no, you're right about the U.S. though, and, and as well uh, Malaysia and Hong Kong, obviously. But uh, the U.S. they've they've just done they've done really well over the last ten, twelve years to build what they have uh, right now. I think it's 
you know, obviously from the grassroots level, they, they've uh, invested a lot in uh, high school and uh, high school squash and producing squash players coming out of school. And then that translates into the, the varsity uh, game that they have. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I've, I, whenever I go there to the States, I obviously see them, the training, and I see the camps that happens, and there's a lot of kids that play now, you know, and it reminds me a lot of Egypt because that's, that's how Egypt did it for so many years, and that's why we're all here. Now that States have that, and in a few years' time, we're going to see this at some point, uh, I'm pretty sure, which is going to take squash to maybe different countries now. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, last question from, from the Facebook, and I'm going to com combine it with, with a question from me uh, that I have as well. So you've got the, the 20, uh, obviously you, you finished 2019, 2020 uh, as number one. Uh, what are your goals for, for the upcoming season once it gets started? I would, I would like to maintain the one number one again. I think it's going to be a harder job this time because uh, – Ali knows that, uh, I mean, Ali and other opponents, but I would say Ali the closest. And uh, um, I know he will hate being number two because I hated being number two. Uh, and uh, he would want to win uh, all the titles I won this season. Um, uh, just as much as I want, I wanted to win the titles he had from me the season before. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and I, I think he's going to improve his game and uh, he's going to do a lot of new things to his game, I think. Uh, just as much as, the, and that's what I did, you know, this season. Um, and I need to, and it's now my time to test myself to try and see things ahead of the game before they happen, see things before they happen, you know, and not wait till they happen during the season and be surprised. I need to think of how, what kind of weaknesses my opponent saw in me before I even know them, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I need yeah. to think about all of these things and, uh, and uh, which won't be easy, but it's a challenge that I am excited to face next season. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, that's a really great way of putting it. I'm sure it's something that, that all the great players do, but not everyone might uh, consider what your opponent, what your opponents think your weaknesses are, and that, that's what you're going to focus on. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, uh, Mohammed, uh, really, really appreciate you coming on today uh, on the podcast. We, uh, I've, I was very persistent, uh, and we managed to get it done. So I, <laughs> I appreciate uh, your time, and uh, you know, you're 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 a great squash player, great guy, and I want to wish you uh, all the best. Uh, in, once we get started in 2020, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing you back on court again. Thanks a lot, and uh, thanks a lot for having me. Well, I managed to get through that unscathed. World number one, Mohamed El Sherbagi. He was awesome, super nice guy. Uh, and I bet you he's ramping up his training now. He's not taking it easy like he said he was in the early going, especially uh, if he's got that inside scoop that the uh, the tour is going to be uh, kicking off in the not-too-distant future. Let's see if that plays out. Let's hope it does play out and everything's going to... Uh, uh, we're going to get to see some, some pro squash uh, in the near future. Now, uh, just here on on the in squash podcast we've got on episode 149 uh brian patterson uh, that was recorded uh, about a week and a half or so ago and it was absolutely amazing brian patterson on episode 149 lots of great stories from past and present and uh after that uh with any luck the ps uh, episode 150 uh, special guest on that one and uh after that as well uh, the PSA's recently uh, awarded, uh, had their awards, and uh, 
uh, the female uh, PSA Challenger Series Tour Player of the Year. She's coming on. I'll let you do the, the research on that one, see if you can find out who it was. Little hint, she's been on this podcast before, and uh, she comes from my homeland as well. So uh, hopefully that's going to uh, come come to fruition in uh in a little while so uh, that that we have that to look forward to and uh, a lot more i've got a few in the hopper as they say in the industry uh, so uh, looking forward to those and uh, you know everybody i hope you all uh, take care if you're getting back on the court please uh, do it safe and uh, take all the precautions that we're supposed to be taking and if you're not on court yet if your courts aren't open like mine and mine were supposed to open uh tomorrow i was planning on playing tomorrow but still uh they haven't um sorted everything out yet so uh just to bear with it we've waited this long i guess we can wait a little bit longer and uh hopefully sooner rather than later we'll be uh, back on court playing in some way shape or form but whether it's the new normal uh in terms of squash or whether we can actually get back out there and play a proper game regardless uh, hopefully it's not too far down the road everyone now take care and have a great day and uh, thanks for listening please share it with your friends give me a shout out on uh, instagram facebook i'm new on instagram uh, my daughter's taking care of that uh, site for me so thanks to her and uh, facebook of course and twitter so uh, please share with your friends at your club and whatnot. Take care and have a great day. Goodbye now.